Uh, hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 278. Joining us this week, returning for his third time, new member of the Third Timers Club, our good friend Andrew Derminio. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk about the Halloween guidelines. Uh, we're going to do some local news, some coronavirus news. It's Kevin's birthday, so we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, and then we'll do some history lessons, doomsday report, all of the wonderful things that you've gotten used to listening to us for 278 episodes. Uh, that's it, folks. Show starts in just a few minutes, as always. We are happy. Just in, just over the moon. Stunned. Excited. Joining us this week, our good friend uh, from River Hills Properties, from WIVX, now from CABVI, uh, the mm-hmm. Central Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired, as member of the board, our mm-hmm. good friend joining the Three Timers Club, Andrew Germinio. Mm. I remember when, like, that was a big deal, and I used to keep track of how many times people were like, Three Timers, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Early days, right? When people started repeating a little bit. Well, that was like one of the early uh, things that I broke down on when doing this show. Was mm. like, I'm never going to have the same people on. I mean, keep new guests all the time. And I was just like, okay, I can't. <laughs> I, can't <laughs> I can't do this. I can't keep doing this forever. Uh, all right. I got, we have a very exciting week of content. Besides mm. Andrew, of course, who always enjoyed talking to. Um, let's start with something light. Something mm. light because I got some immediate annoying stuff to get out of my way, obviously. Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you and I. Yes. Kevin's here, by the way. Kevin's always here. Here I am. Shout Indeed. out to Kevin. The uh, rumors are true. It is my birthday today. Is it? 100%. October 19th. I see. The day of birth. The rumors are true. 35 years on this planet. You feeling 35? Uh, some days. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of rainy out there. I don't know. I'm not sure what 35 is supposed to feel like. It's a nice round number. Now the late, the back half of the 30s. Hmm. We're halfway through the game. I feel like uh, I was reading something yesterday, and I think it was a tweet, and somebody was like, can you talk about 20 years ago? And they were like, yeah, sure, 1980, right? And they're like, no. No, no, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, right. Not quite. Oh, well, yeah. it starts to show, now with 2020 and having 20 years all falling in the 2000s, now it starts to kind of round mm-hmm. off and feel more like instead of 20 years ago, when is that? But yeah, mm-hmm. time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Uh, yes, it does. 35. What a time to be alive. Mm-hmm. We're on the other side now. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The good side. It's all up from there. Earlier this week. Aging like fine wines. Earlier this week. Shout, uh, send all of your birthday messages to Kevin. And uh, presents. And <laughs> cash <laughs> envelopes. <laughs> uh, we'll take it all. So, earlier this week, you and I had mm-hmm. a discussion. Yeah. I had told you that I had bought some donuts. And mm. I ate one for breakfast, and it was really unsatisfying. I was like, a donut. And I decided, I was like, a donut is not a satisfying option as a breakfast item. No. It's, mm. uh, and I, it's I, dessert. I, it's, it's, it's cake. It's not going to satiate your hunger. It's correct. It's it no not. nourishment. <laughs> um, 
So I put this to people on the social media verse. I just put out the tweet a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donut is not breakfast. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of people. A lot of traction. <laughs> a lot of traction. A lot of people were not pleased. What were the people saying? Well, people said, what if you turn it into a sandwich? Then it's not mm. a donut anymore. What do you... Like if you make like a donut, like you put like egg or bacon or something. That's no, you're an animal. Absolutely not. Like then I heard, what if you eat multiple donuts? Like if you eat like five, you will eventually be full. But like that's different (laughs) than feeling energized after a good breakfast. It's not a satisfied full. No, No. it's a very dissatisfied full. Uh, yeah. So donut. I mean, I'm not saying you can't. I think the idea comes from, like, if you go to, like, a Dunkin' Donuts to get coffee, they have donuts. So you get in and get coffee, like, oh, I guess I'll get some donuts yeah, yeah. with my coffee. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think of, like, oh, vanilla finger for breakfast. I'll eat a vanilla finger for <laughs> breakfast. It's not breakfast. Well, I think, you ju- I think you just hit the nail right there, too, is the when it comes to really dessert items like that for breakfast, it's all dependent on the coffee. You have yeah. to have them with coffee because if you have like a nice, like I like just like a regular plain, like unglazed donut with a cup of coffee, like one of the plain ones that come in the box, mm-hmm. stuff like that's all right. But if you don't have the cup of coffee, miss me with the donut. Don't mm-hmm. really want it. So I think that's the real crux is has to be paired with the coffee. But just because it's paired with coffee doesn't mean it's breakfast. Um, yeah. So I think if you want to sell me a better take on how a donut is breakfast, that's fine. But I haven't seen one that has convinced me otherwise as of yet. That being said, donuts for breakfast is fine. I give me donuts. Like I, I mean, like technically, whatever you eat first is the breaking of the fast, and thus your breakfast. Yeah, it's not a it's not a traditional mm-hmm. breakfast food. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's yeah. not like what's the tra- like a quiche? Is that I guess that's not a traditional breakfast. Quiche, <laughs> <laughs> not a quiche. You know, like, like a, traditional, real like, breakfast. The way humans have been eating breakfast for thousands of like years. Sort of the proud quiche. <laughs> the quiche. What's the what's the other one I'm thinking of? Not a quiche. Oh, uh, it's man. sort of like a quiche. You were down in Brooklyn for a minute, huh? I like a quiche. <laughs> what's the other one? It's like a, it's the Spanish version of the a quiche. Kalach. No, that's, no, that's different. There's like I a. I'm gonna, I can't believe I'm forgetting it. There's like a Spanish style version of a quiche, and I mm. can't remember the name of it. It's gonna piss me off. I don't know. You'll remember it as soon as we I'm recording the show. Here. As it uh, always goes, if there's something we can't remember. Donut, not breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So let's get into the down quick note. Earlier this week, uh, I said incorrectly in the interview later on with Andrew Dominio that I was robbed. That's not the case. I did not get robbed. That's robbed true. would be if I had my PlayStation on me. Robbed is a stick-up, yeah. <laughs> and I, someone's like, yeah. give me your PlayStation Robbed too. is, no, you were burgled. We were burgled. We were burgled. Our, our, our humble studio mm-hmm. was burgled. Uh, feels somewhat targeted because it was just one specific item. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I hard to put myself in the criminal mind. My um, my argument, I mean, so it was just it was just the PlayStation. Yeah. Just took the PlayStation 4. My argument for that with it being targeted is if you were to come in and take just one thing, what else would it be? Of course it was the PlayStation. I think that it would be targeted if they came in and took some obscure thing that was in a drawer somewhere. That's targeted. They took these like wrestling dummies and they were like, "We have them." They're anybody back come by yet. the house. Anybody come by the house. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I went through the typical, you know, plan. I had to go cancel all the, mm-hmm. you know, all the monetary stuff connected to it. And yeah. I had to, you know. Well, that's the wild thing about devices nowadays is there's so much tie-in with, like, your credit cards and accounts yeah. and stuff like that. It's something mm-hmm. you really got to think of. Shout out to the UPD guy who came down, chatted mm-hmm. me up. I felt, and here's the thing, I felt weird, you know, yeah. talking to the guy because it's like, 
somebody stole my video games. Right? <laughs> like that's sadly the first place my yeah, mind yeah, yeah. went. Like, somebody came into my home, though. Yeah. Like, that, well, that's what he even said. He's like, look, don't think of it like somebody like stole your video game, right? It's like yeah, yeah. someone came into your house without your permission to yeah. shit, right? Yeah. Uh, so shout out to, I won't say his name because I'm still in an open police report with him. So yeah. I'll, I'll leave him out. But good dude, whoever mm-hmm. guy came by. I'm not like shout I, I, out to the burglar. Burglar, if you're a listener, um, no. if the burglar is a listener to this show, bring Sam back his PlayStation. Yeah. That's not very nice. It's not a nice way to treat your friend. A uh, couple good takes I've seen uh, from people. One that you stole it because you got tired of me playing Fallout. Correct. I've heard that. I've heard that one. Number two, that. number two is this is a really, 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 really intricate marketing campaign by the PlayStation people mm-hmm. to get me to buy a PlayStation yeah, Five. Yeah. Just come into your house in the yeah. middle of the night, steal your mm-hmm. shit. Uh, I've heard rumors of maybe uh, it flew out of my house like a drone because mm. it got tired of dealing with me. You never know about drones. You never know, you never about know drones. when drones are involved. Drones are involved. There. Um, yeah, I also heard. I've heard the theory that you faked the burgling oh. to have to have a viable reason to buy yourself a PlayStation Five. <laughs> is this like? Is this like when we? Uh, deleted all of our posts on Facebook. Yeah. So that, yeah. You and I me see. are our own prime suspects. Our own prime suspects. I see. <laughs> I see. I wish that was the case. Uh, yeah, I gotta be, be honest. Nice. Be super sweet. We'd solve all my problems. If somebody's pulling a prank, just bring it back. Uh, you got it. Leave it. No, no questions asked. Here's the thing, right? People have asked me, are you scared? I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you about that if you didn't. Go ahead. No. Right? I'm not, I'm not scared because I feel stupid. Right, like yeah, there were, there were things that could have been done. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, to have mitigated this situation from probably happening. Certainly, and just like doy kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? So am I? Am I scared? It wasn't no. like somebody smashed through a window to get into my house, right? Right, yeah. So no, I'm not well, scared. Well, the house wasn't like if I if you if it was one of those you know sometimes people have burglaries where they'll come home to their house and their house is trashed. Yes. Because people came and went through everything and we're in like their bedroom and we're in mm-hmm. you know going through their cabinets and all that. Yeah. That I feel like would be a different story. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I the same thing. People were asking, no, I don't feel scared. I feel dumb about it. Like I'm right with you on that. But um, yeah, I'm scared isn't really. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe we're dumb to not be maybe. scared, but I don't really think so. Am I annoyed? Well, I think we have to fear is fear itself. Certainly. I'm certainly annoyed, right? Yeah, big time. Certainly annoyed. It's like a real fucking jitty move. Mm-hmm. Real shit move to do. Well, I feel bad for, for you because, you know, I don't, like, we, we watch, there's, like, a lot of, you know, the video and streaming services on the PlayStation. I'm like, realistically, I don't play the video games, but every once in a while, you know what I mean? Mm. And even then, very rarely. So, yeah, it sucks. Uh, well, joke's on the thief because the, uh, the game that was in the system was Fallout 76. So enjoy that Ooh, janky buggy Which isn't mess. a good game. It's a terrible <laughs> game. Enjoy that janky nonsense while you oh, play man. my burgled uh, consumer goods. Uh, however, the third and final question that I get a lot from people, from my family, is mm-hmm. are you mad? And the answer is no. I'm actually kind of thrown off by how not like overtly angry I want to punch somebody in the face I am. Uh, I'm kind of... Like, I would have liked to have caught the burglar, certainly, in the mm-hmm. act. Would have been nice to be like, ha-ha, get out of here, you. I mean, whatever. But I'm not, like, mad at this person, whoever this person is, necessarily. I don't know why. Do you think that that's a positive thing or a negative thing? Do you think you No, should, I think it's a negative. Do you think you should be mad? I think there's a certain indictment on me as a person who is 
anti-emotional to a fault sometimes. Like, I don't allow myself to get angry enough or get affected by things that I probably should be affected by. Should I be more mad about this? Is anger an effective emotion the majority of the time? I'm not here to... As, but I'm saying, like, is any situation... I could, because I look at it, I kind of take the yeah, opposite tack. Am I sitting here and repressing myself from feeling anger, though? That's not good. If I'm sitting here, like, bottling up internalized anger, that's no good. I think it's one of those things where, by the very nature of you asking that question and being conscious of it, you're yeah. already kind of ahead of the game there. Yeah, you know, no, Because I... you, and, you and me have talked a lot about, like, you know, various, like, emotions and reactions and all sorts of stuff throughout our lives, and... You know, it's something it's something that we've talked about where when it comes to stuff like this, like being angry, sure, you could be mad and you could be mm-hmm. yelling and you could be shouting and acting like you want to punch somebody, but you are evolved enough to understand that like at the end of the day, that's not gonna do anything. It's not gonna make you feel better, you're not gonna enjoy it, you're not gonna feel good during try and put so myself you just swim move it a little bit. But try and put myself in if everyone that we were getting like the cars in the neighborhood kinda of got broken into a couple months ago and people were getting changed and stuff, things in our car. I, had, I try to put myself in, like, the mind, right, of somebody who's so desperate in their situation that they have sure. to resort to, like, taking change out of somebody's car. I'm not giving, I'm not assuming that every criminal is, like, some poor what was me story, but I assume that some of yeah, them yeah, yeah. are, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if this person, whoever it is, just, like, a person who don't like me, who I don't know about. One of my many numerous haters out there in the world. One of, yeah. One of many. Sure. Uh, or if it's just someone who is in the middle of a fucking pandemic and is desperate and is trying to do whatever they can to survive, right? Sure. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know mean. if I can be mad at that as much as Well, and also, sad. because you don't know, there's no reason to just decide one thing, make it up yeah. in your head, and then get mad about the mm-hmm. thing you made up. You know, I the way that I look at it with something like this, too, the way that I feel about it at least is... You sort of chalk it under the bin of things happen. Yeah. Right? Like, say we had been moving something around in the living room and the PlayStation got knocked mm. off, fallen on the tile near the fireplace, and shattered into pieces. These two things aren't that... Even though somebody came yeah. in and took it, it's still like, well, something happened and now this is gone. And it's stupid and it sucks, but, like, just to sit and be furious about it... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so there you go. That was my... Our quick, our longer than normal quick note about how we were burgled this week. Well, because normally we're not burgled. Normally we're not burgled. <laughs> Hopefully this has not become a recurring uh, segment. Yeah, I would imagine. Updates on the weekly burglaries. Yeah. I think we're safe over here, though. Do we have to arm ourselves to protect ourselves? Uh, from what do you know? Oh. We got the cat. The cat. We do. Yeah, how gift. Fat lot of good you were. <laughs> yeah, thanks for nothing, stupid cat. Uh, all right, uh, so let's move on. Uh, ooh, you want to do some local news? Some local, always, some local always, gossip? I always <laughs> like to do some some local gas. Uh, Utica and Rome released their guidelines for trick-or-treating. I bet people are mad. It <laughs> doesn't matter what the guidelines are. Folks are mad. Uh, so here's uh, here's what it is for the Rome... This is what Rome Mayor Jacqueline Izzo and Police Chief announced the following guidelines. Residents who would like to participate are asked to leave their porch light on and greet children... Uh, on a porch or other appropriate outdoor space to encourage open ventilation. Right? Strong. Uh, children should trick-or-treat in their local neighborhoods and not drive elsewhere in attempt to comply with the executive order restricting large gatherings. Mm-hmm. So if you're like one of those people like me who'd be like, yo, mom, bring me to North Utica because they get better candy than down in South Utica or whatever, right? Sure. Just an ex- I don't know if that's necessarily the case. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the candy numbers are like. It's been a long time since I've been out of here. <laughs> been out of the candy uh, game. And masks are required when participants are unable to social distance. It is Halloween. They do need to be specific. Like, do you mean a Jason mask or like a PPE mask? Yeah, the Jason mask with the holes cut out around the mouth and nose. I haven't exactly figured out what I'm going to do here. Normally what we do is I take that front window out and I just hand candy out through the window. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that feel... Maybe I'll just leave a bucket out there, but that's just asking for somebody to come take the bucket. Yeah, right? true. Like, no they took one... the PlayStation, they'll take the bucket. You <laughs> uh, I think what I might just do is say, nah. I'm into that. Just no candy. I'm into that, yeah. Like, Halloween miser. Halloween has been lost this year to the coronavirus in the election anyway. Feels... Which is, and I'll tell you what, which is a shame too, because Halloween itself shame. actually falls on a Saturday this year. It's an absolute shame. Um... What else did I have? That's it. Halloween stuff. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see what the what the world looks like out there on Halloween. I wonder. Like, I wonder if people are going to... Again, the thing with Halloween, too, that it always comes down to is who knows what the weather will be like. Hey, uh, remember when plastic bags got banned? I do. Well, guess what? It's back. Uh, it feels like we... It got put on hold for a long time because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but as of effect today, mm-hmm. well, by the time you listen to this yesterday, the New York plastic bag ban... Uh, is resuming in earnest. Uh, you can bring your own bag, or you can pay a five cent fee for a paper bag in uh-huh. most places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have any arguments about this. I've been gotten used to taking bags with me to places now, which is something I had forgotten to do it early on. Seemed, it seemed a little... I mean, I was for it in the first place anyway, but it did seem a little bit annoying and tough to get to the bags. But once you get into the routine of using your bags, um, yeah. I wouldn't even really want to go back to be honest with you. So I don't I don't mind. I don't know if it's a hot take, but this is fine by me. Keep it up. Yeah. I, Just get a couple bags and bring them. You remember to bring other stuff, right? Like you bring your phone, you bring your wallet, you bring your keys, you bring your whatever you need. Just keep your bags in the car. You'll be all right. Uh, I saw a lot of, not on this article. This is from New York One, not from uh, KTV where I initially saw this, but I saw some real bad faith comments on here. Just like, oh, Five cents. They're trying okay. to get your money. The WKDV Facebook comments actually might be the bottom of the internet. Well, after topics fell apart, they had nowhere to go. That's true. At least now they got to put their names on. Well, they're making a burner accounts. Yeah, it's true. Burner accounts. Uh, all right. What else happened locally? Oh, uh, we can talk about the Tinney uh, Brindisi race a little bit. Uh, Claudia Tinney getting some heat for a conspiracy theory tweet that she put out and then retroactively took back. Uh, talking about how the CDC said that 6% of people die from COVID and that uh, this debunked story which she was spreading on her Facebook. And then our good friend uh, Luke Riddell, who was on a few weeks ago, got hassled by pointing this out by, mm. by her people. So, I don't know. Maybe don't... Maybe be careful what you retweet. I well, saw stop the- lying. How about that, Claudia? Stop lying. Did you watch any of the Savannah Guthrie Trump thing this week? No. So I mean, I saw like some clips on Twitter, but no. I read, I read, I read a couple articles about it in transcripts. The same thing I think here. You are a person, regardless of what I think, you're a person that people like pay attention to, right? So what you retweet is indeed an indictment of what of you, right? Like, so if Trump's not gonna be like, oh, I just retweeted something, yeah, you, you, I mean, it is sort of an indictment of you. Then you're a person of high like authority. Well, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, to sit there, it's 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 that fucking it's that coward game, you know, like play where it's like, oh well, I just I'm just asking questions. I just because yeah. like, yeah. you want to give yourself plausible deniability. Like, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But like, everybody knows what you mean. Bad faith. Bad faith argument. So yeah, there you go. That's from this week. And then also local news. Uh, the Nexus Center project. Mm. Uh, they're getting sued by Oneida County Ooh. Audio Authority 
the contracting company hired to construct the Nexus Center in Utica is suing Oneida County and the MV Auditorium, uh, Auditorium Authority, pardon me, for $10 million, they say, that are owed for work completed on the project. Uh, I mean, I don't have any hot insider takes on this. It's in the news. You can go read about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just, you can already get the smell of this getting ugly, I feel like. <laughs> I don't know if this is, like, standard procedure mm. or if any of this is standard procedure in, like, the, the pandemic times. Like, I don't know how that affected the working on this. I really don't. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a shame to see. I mean, they're starting. I hope that, I hope whatever happens, they can work it out because you'd hate to see something half completed. And yeah, you don't, don't want to see the skeleton of some building down there. Well, that's the thing. And I know it's it can be it can be fashionable sometimes to cheerlead for bad things to happen in downtown Utica projects. But, yeah. you know, that, that weird strain, of whatever comes in the water here in Utica sometimes manifests where people sort of cheerlead for it to not work out. But, like, at this point, the thing is already cleared out you've got all that framing up there you, you got to do something because what you definitely can't do is just leave that framing there exposed to the elements downtown where you're trying to do all this work so you've got to do something about that you can't yes, just leave it exactly that would be the worst thing to do is just to leave it uh let's move out of local news uh let's get into what i guess is the big news of the week coronavirus stuff uh u.s records the highest daily coronavirus case totals since july uh, the reason I bring this up is I, you know, I got off the phone with a family member uh, earlier this week who has now sort of renewed their fears about COVID. They were starting mm-hmm. to feel a little better about it, and now they've sort of turned the ship back around to feeling like we should cancel all sorts of holiday events and things like that, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if that's too obvious. <laughs> but, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I've i noticed it. Like, I, I see every, like, last couple weeks like every article is about covid stuff going up and it feels like because it's been going up well i just feel like because it feels like it's in a race to the election do you know what i'm saying like we i feel like the stories aren't hitting as hard because we're like 18 days away or whatever it is or so much yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. i feel like people were somewhat surprised obviously like, wait covid's back it's like it's been coming back well not been... even that i mean in places like montana um and utah the hospitals are literally full like montana yeah. put out a call either montana or south dakota i think it was montana put out a call nationwide to like we need doctors nurses staff we need this stuff utah hospitals are, are short on tons of pp and almost completely full to the point where they were turning away ambulances over the weekend yeah. um i mean you've seen the same stuff in south dakota a lot of these places where people weren't taking it seriously numbers have been swinging back up around here i mean personally within my band we had a coronavirus scare this week because yeah. our um, one of the members of the band lost uh, lost a grandparent, mm-hmm. you know, not a COVID thing or anything, but they were having a funeral. Yep. Somebody who came there had to reach out and be like, oh, it turns out I just tested positive. And luckily they were all good. People were in masks, but like you're hearing about it more and more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, never went anywhere. And I say it, I think I say it every week, like I know everybody's sick of it, but that doesn't make it gone. And that's true. And I think that's one of the things they've talked about a lot in terms mm-hmm. of one of the reasons for this most current wave of uh, of spreading is what we're calling, you know, COVID fatigue, essentially. People are just burned out, and this sure. has been a big part of it. I think I read something this week that, like, 200,000 are linked just to that Sturgis motorcycle rally in South mm-hmm. Dakota. So, Yeah. Uh, on the other side of that coin, Cuomo was out here today saying that movie theaters in New York, outside of New York City, can reopen starting on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, audiences can restrict are restricted to 25% of capacity maximum 50 people mm-hmm. maximum masks will be required uh what are your thoughts about uh movie theaters being reopened this weekend um it's tough because the movie theaters at least now with the seating where they control it like where you sit yeah. they can 
try to make you sit there. The mask thing is tough because I don't know how you're going to watch everybody in the dark. Yes. I don't Very know true. how you're going to really keep an eye on that. going to have to like sterilize everything afterwards. Yeah. All sorts yeah. of stuff. Um, was, Am I going to the movies? I'm not. No. You know what I mean? Like I can we stream. There's a thousand movies that have come out in the last 10 years that i wanted to see that i haven't seen yet that are on streaming services yeah. so not for me but i don't know i mean i guess i hope that it allows some of these movie theaters and employees to stay employed right sure. like i guess but i don't know i'm not in any particular rush to go back seems to like it would actually now. be more expensive to run the place but only get 25 percent of ticket concessions yes. but still yeah. keep it open even if you put a skeleton crew of staff on you're still mm. turning the lights on turning the climate control on mm. Uh, and then also this week, this is from Huffington Post, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci confirmed that the White House is controlling when he speaks to the media, which seems like a good call from, from the Trump administration. Uh, I had other... Terrible Trump, call. I had other Trump stuff this week. We can move past it, I guess. I don't really care. They uh, Essentially, that New York Post Hunter Biden story got debunked this morning. Ah, yeah, it, got, it got debunked the day it came out. Yeah. yeah. For they, what are the article I saw today where they were talking about uh, Fox News themselves were like, no, this is too sketchy for us. We're not going to run it. Well, they said that the po- people at the Post didn't want to run it. They were arguing in the The morning. guy who wrote it took his yeah. name off the byline, too. Because I mean, it's like it's obvious at this point. Like All these like drunk dementia maniacs like Rudy Giuliani really stop. If you watch Fox News, you might think that's real, but like that's just not. It's it, I, I don't know. Uh, let's move on to something a little more positive. Actually, uh, it's reported that nearly 28 million Americans have already voted, according to Politico today. Uh, NPR reports that this is actually a really huge number by Democrats who've turned out really early for early voting. Uh, so, I mean, I think it, I was talking to Andrew about this during the interview, and it's really interesting. You know, I think one of the reasons the early voting is so big right now is because there's no, there's not as many undecided people. Right. It's also a lot easier. It's no, a lot easier. It's a lot easier. Uh, but, like, yeah, it's not like if you know who you're, like, I'm just going to go vote. I don't need to wait any longer. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just let's go do it and move this along, you know, and get this ready. I like, don't think that's ever what put people off. I don't think early voting wasn't bigger because people were undecided up until later. I just think there wasn't much impetus because most people were just like, I'll just go down there on the day. But now people are thinking, like, ah, oh, do I want to go down there on the day? There's been so much more coverage of what yeah. early voting is and how it works that it's just more conscious in people's mind. I think no matter what happens going forward, you'll see more people voting early as they realize, like, oh, I just got to yeah. run down to MV, go in there, it takes 10 minutes. Oh, cool. I can go whenever. Yeah. I have, okay, I, t- I take it back. I, for, I didn't write this down. I do have one Trump story of the week, but I think it's pretty bearable. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Did you see Trump's campaign? Going out in a rally and mocking Joe Biden, saying that if Joe Biden wins, he'll, quote, listen to the scientists. It's like, bro, you ever see the website accidentally left wing? Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. If I totally listened to the scientists, we would have right now a country that would be in a massive depression, Trump says. What? What, bro? Have you, I read somewhere this week that it feels like in the last two weeks he's sort of emptying his clip of like greatest hits. Like he's going down, replaying like, old tapes. He's yeah. replaying the hits and really firing off. Like I, because his brain can't make new memories. Yeah, sorry about it. Uh, so yeah, uh, God forbid we listen to the scientists. I know. Oh, that's uh, how terrible. What a crime. Uh, so I have, let's see, I have one read for the week for you. This is from The Guardian. It's not a light read. It's pretty interesting, though. 
The read is called, this is a long title, Guns Are a Way to Exercise Power, How the Idea of Overthrowing the Government Became Mainstream. Mm. It's a pretty uh, interesting read from a guy named Josh Horowitz. He's an American uh, writer who just wrote a, who wrote a book in 2009. Uh, and he's interviewed talking about how like the rise of militia culture, especially in the wake of what happened with uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer we talked about last mm. week. I thought it was really cool that she was out yesterday campaigning for biden just being like yeah that's right mm-hmm. i'm on this because yeah. I, ain't, I ain't scared meanwhile i mean trump was still out there stirring people back up like still mm-hmm. not backing down a bit from like lock her up and she wants to be a dictator and just turn up the temperature on the rhetoric so uh yeah so it really interesting article again i mean you know it's it's a it's a tough subject certainly it's kind of a dark subject but it's important to know about it, especially right now it feels like 100 percent. never take your eye off the ball and then Ever. uh and then last but not least for this segment, uh, I haven't I'm done with this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week's I'm done with this guy is Senator David Perdue, Republican from Georgia, who earlier this week mocked Democratic Vice President uh, nominee Kamala Harris by spe- like going out of his way to pronounce her name incorrectly, which seems yeah. to be like a like a dog whistly thing that people are doing. Super dog whistly for sure. Uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, supporters of the ticket, uh, supporters of the Democratic ticket responded, decried his comments as backhanded racism, which they totally are. Well, of course, because also this dude served on Senate committees with her for years. Like, he knows her and has worked with her for years. Mm. He knows exactly how to do the name. So if you are, if you for sure know how to pronounce her name, you're going out here and saying it crazy like this, why would you say that for any other reason than you're trying Mm. to stir your people up? Uh... Following backlash to those remarks, his campaign issued a statement saying he simply mispronounced her name. He didn't mean anything by it, even though he like made it super performative. That's ridiculous. And like wickedly, yeah. like over the top performative. But okay, so there you go. Uh, this man, David Perdue, I'm done with this guy. Done. Get him out. Oh, all right. Okay, uh, let's get into this week's uh, interview. Our good friend Andrew Dominio, you may know him from Hewer Show. Local Renaissance him. man. He's all over the place. Real mm-hmm. estate, radio, mm-hmm. uh, and now he's on the board at uh, the Central Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Really cool organization. I'm glad that he got involved with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we just wanted to check in. It's been almost 40 episodes, mm-hmm. almost more than half a year since he's been here. And we want to see how things have been in the real estate market, in the radio world, and for him personally, things since things have changed in the time of COVID. Mm, haven't the t- they? Is there going to be... That's like, <laughs> The time of COVID. It's like sure. a book. This is all we're going to hear about it's for the rest of our life. Same. In the time of This is the COVID. only thing we're going to hear about for the rest of our life. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's get to our interview uh, with three time GFOP, Andrew Dominio. Yeah, I can hear you good. Uh, hold on, let me just see if I can do this. How you been, buddy? Oh, I mean, 
things are okay. I have no real, I have complaints. I don't know if you want to hear them. <laughs> well, I'm one of these people when I, when I t- tend to ask people how they're doing, I usually have a genuine, genuine interest. So, I mean, well, we talked about it uh, earlier in the pod today. Um, I got, I got robbed earlier this week. Are you serious? Yeah. Man, somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm trying to sell a house next to Katie. What uh, happened? Got a, uh, somebody stole. I mean, we won't go into the whole story because I already talked about it for the listeners, but, um, you know, we, uh, I must've left the door open at night or we didn't lock it all the way. And somebody came in in the middle of the night and yanked my PlayStation four. I had to call the cops and all that thing. Did you hear them in the house? No, I did not. Oh my gosh. That's scary. You know, I, I'm not as scared as I am annoyed and also kind of like pissed at myself for like, not, I don't know, for being naive and being like, dude, no one's coming to my neighborhood. Everyone's chill in my neighborhood everyone's super cool i know everyone yeah i know well that's Um, the problem is that's when you when you least expect you know well it is what it is i don't mean to start off on a negative tone how have you been no problem hold on let me just um i'm gonna just probably stick to my apartment here oh that's (laughs) that's totally fine we're uh, we're recording as we're going now so i'll just edit whatever because i am bad at zoom so i just start recording immediately no problem let me just get myself set up here so that because does the vid is there a video component that you're going to put up have you, you just do the or you just use the audio for i just use the audio i can see your your handsome face which is very nice but the, the rest of my <laughs> I, just, I just didn't know yeah okay i didn't know if you had the video element for me to cast no um you know we've talked about it before uh we're doing some video content um justin and i have been for the last week i'm just starting to get into using youtube and yeah. i already i already hate it it's such a pain oh i can see there's a green bay packers uh logo in the oh, back i know it was yeah. it was rough it was rough <laughs> right, i shouldn't say okay oh i mean you're fine man like i've had the audio we've had the, the zoom era has been really tough and i have some questions about that for you as well about how you guys have been adjusting and sort of like the new zoom era of interviewing people yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, you sound fine for right now. I think everyone will be okay. Uh, for folks cool. who are, for folks who, uh, who can't tell by the title, we're joined by our good friend, Andrew Domenio, uh, who is joining the three timers club today. Ah, good to be <laughs> back with you. Uh, so let me start, Andrew, let me start here with you. The last time we spoke was on January 21st of 2020. It was episode 239. So that was wow. almost 40 weeks ago. Oh my god! Uh, think obviously things have changed in in the last forty weeks. Uh, yeah. You know, for you, first off, I'll, I'll ask the most boring question that I ask everybody who comes on: How have you been handling everything since COVID started and during quarantine and everything? How's how have you been doing? I've been doing pretty well. I chose early on uh, when the shutdown and everything was starting to happen um, that I wasn't going to like. Um, and I don't fault anybody for, for doing this if they did, because it was very hard not to, but to stay home and just drink and eat whatever I wanted and, yep. and, and not try to stay as active as possible. So when that shutdown happened, I was fortunate to be deemed essential, which every, every job is essential because it's how people feed their families is their work and stuff. But, you know, to be deemed essential to, 
um, go to the radio station every day. We continued our morning shows uh, for a while. Salespeople were out of the building, front desk staff, managers, you know, managers that weren't also on air staff were all working from home. So I was fortunate to keep somewhat of a routine, which I think helped um, the mental, the mental health of it all. Um, But it was really nice to be able to also kind of, and again, I'm somebody to try to take something negative and, and make it a positive. But, um, you know, it, it was nice to be able to get reset with regard to, um, you know, get reset with regards to my health, my nutrition, yeah. and kind of just realizing the important things. Well, um, you know, he- Heather and I talked about that a lot. I think, you know, it really is easy to fall into a trap when you're just sitting around the house. Like, I, I don't even think sometimes, you know, how much work I've lost just being in a school you walk back and forth to the teacher's room between classrooms around kids desks that you don't think about just the little tiny bit of like moving around that you would have done in your day-to-day work without thinking about it and that's almost all gone for a lot of people yeah and I mean that's where that's where I had you know been benefited from the real estate job is that Hmm. you know you were in in the car a lot but also you know getting out of the car going to a lot of different showings and uh, walking properties and and you know, and then not having the ability to go to a gym or to, to work out. And, you know, early on in the shutdown, as you know, it was cold. Um, so it was nice when the summer weather started to turn nice in the spring and summer was able to, to you know, the idea of walking in a park. Everybody was so kind of hesitant to do that. Yeah. It was kind of weird, you know. Well, uh, you know, it's it's so interesting. I was thinking about this. I read an article last week about, you know, about real estate during the COVID era. And you've sort of become my Uticast real estate correspondent here. I'm what proud sort to of, be. <laughs> I appreciate that. What's uh, are people still like? Are people buying houses and into you know, changing real estate ventures right now during COVID, or is it kind of slowed down? Yeah, no, I got to say, um, it's the one industry that maybe didn't um, get hit hard. Maybe early on in that um, we weren't a lot. There was a good chunk of time, maybe six weeks, six to eight weeks, that we were not able to show houses, not able to list houses, um, understandably not knowing enough um, to be able to go into somebody else's home, you know, but when they were able to, uh, in that time, interest rates um, had gone to such a low level and still are at such a low level that for buyers, um, it was a good time to buy. But for the last for uh, three and a half, almost four years that I've been in this business, this market specifically has been a seller's market. So property values have been increasing. And the fact that the, the Cree project did not falter and did not skip a beat and continued on and, and a few other, the a few other big projects in the area that were continuing, um, it just kind of exploded. I mean, people, I mean, property values are going uh, at the highest that they've gone in a long time for this area. And, you know, a lot of people are nervous that that'll overcorrect. And, and, but I'm optimistic that this area has had such a low property value for a while, for a long time, that it's indicative of the progress that we've made as an area that now um, real estate prices are going up. There are some extreme cases because of the uh, interest rates being low, people could borrow more money, essentially, um, uh, and pay more for a house. And the demand has always been there. And so when COVID uh, restrictions were, were uh, loosened a bit, uh, it was kind of a feeding frenzy. So the, the long, the, the, the short answer to the question, 
um, is that the real estate market is booming here. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll, it will continue to do so. Well, I think there's, uh, and this is just raw speculation on my part. I wonder if it's a lot of people who are sitting inside their homes or apartments for four or five months and looking around and being like, son of a bitch, I got to do something about this. <laughs> I want a yard and a few extra square feet. And that's 100% something. right. Yeah. And the area has seen, and that's a very good observation because um, we've seen a lot of, uh, we've seen really uh, an exodus of businesses mm -hmm. in the downstate and New York City area. But, you know, you think of somebody that maybe lives in a 900 to 1,000 square foot mm -hmm. uh, apartment or even less in some cases, and they, they see if I have to quarantine again or, or be working from home, I'd rather do it in 2,000 square feet with uh, a quarter acre of a yard. Um, so that, yes, we have seen an increase in people from the city and the downstate area moving up here because, you know, on top of all the reasons you just mentioned, uh, even though property values are increasing in the area, they're still relatively low if, when you look at it from a national picture. Well, I think the, the knock on New York has never been the prices. It's so much as the taxes. That seems to be right. a thing that people complain about more than anything else with like tax issues with housing. I don't, you know, and I don't own a house, so I have no idea <laughs> like how well, it works. You know, and that's a very valid point because, any, you know, nobody really likes taxes. Um, hmm. You know, you look at uh, areas in Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, they're hmm. paying low taxes because a lot of our taxes are uh, a good chunk of property taxes hmm. are, um, you know, roads, um, uh, roads, bridges, snow removal. Yeah. Um, right. So, and New York is a high tax state, but when you, when you look at it, like, all right, so I might be having to pay, you know, some houses in Clinton, New Hartford, Whitesboro, just to name a few, um, you know, you get a house in the three to $400,000 range. You might be paying, um, uh, close to eight to $10,000 in taxes, yeah. but you get that same house in Florida, for eight hundred thousand to a million, and you're only paying two thousand dollars a year in taxes there. Whereas yeah. you pay eight to ten thousand dollars a year here, it's still a lot of money, yeah. but it's all relative um, based on the, the price of the actual home. So I have a theoretical question for you, as as somebody who enjoys looking through uh, Zillow and other such like home apps to look at what people list. Use Realtor.com. I tell Realtor. everybody, public service announcement. No, Real, throw it out here Real right now. <laughs> Real estate agents um, and Zillow are at odds. They're at war. Really? Because what Zillow is trying to do is basically eliminate the real estate profession in that huh. they want to eventually, you know, if you were selling your house on your own or, do, or what we call a FISBO in the biz, a for sale by owner, if you have a FISBO, you can go to Zillow.com right now and huh. post pictures and any information about the house. They're eventually moving their platform to where they're going to charge you a commission that's considerably less than what the agent will do offer pretty much the same, maybe some improved services, but uh, you know, eliminating the, they basically want to become the real estate agent. Well, well, huh. what's wrong with that? Well, you're not going to be able to walk through a, a house that you're buying <laughs> with uh, a Zillow, some, with Zillow, you know, it's not like they're going to point out all the things that are wrong with it. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's there are still a lot of benefits uh, and and, and um, necessities that come along with and some, you know, frankly, it makes it a little bit easier, the whole process, if you have an agent to represent you. So 
I, uh, I didn't mean to. No, I didn't mean to get you hot. There. I didn't mean to get you so hot about Zillow. No, but more importantly, for people that are actively looking for a home, you know, I would encourage okay. you to to seek help from an agent. You know, find somebody that you trust that you. Um, God, everybody's calling me right now, and I got you know, I'm, I'm, my time is with Sam here. Jeez, so nobody popular. ever calls me until I'm doing something else. Sorry about that. That's the other thing about the Zoom thing is tough. Um, but. Uh, it's, it's important for you to find an agent, somebody that you trust uh, to help you with the home buying experience, because one, you don't have to pay that person. Mm -hmm. They get yeah. paid when they ultimately find a house that, that you, when you find a house and close yeah. on it, they'll get paid by the, the seller and the listing agent, but they're, they're looking out uh, for you on your behalf. You know, they're, they're actively helping you schedule showings, get you into houses um, write the offer, explain all the processes and, and, and the transaction, especially if you're a first time home buyer, you're going in blind. Um, it's important to have somebody to help you through that process. But if you're actively looking for a house and you're using Zillow, it's very likely that information you see is outdated because realtor.com realtor.com pulls all of its information directly from what we call the MLS system, which is where hmm. we input all the listings. So the day I, the, the second that I put a listing on the market with my photos and all my information, it goes right to realtor. I then have to go to a third party site, which is an aggregate site to type in the information. And then it sends it out to, hmm. um, uh, it sends it out to all the other sources like hmm. Zillow. So if let's say a, a house goes under a house that I have listed, gets an accepted offer, we go under contract. If I put continue to show or contingent, which some people will see on Realtor, that it's gone under contract, you'll see that immediately on Realtor. But if you go to Zillow and I didn't go in there and put in that it's under contract, it's still going to show as active. So you get your hopes up thinking, oh, I love that house, but it's already sold. Yeah. Well, so I, uh, I get off on that tangent only. No, I love it. I, I'm, I'm always so glad when you come on because I learned something <laughs> that I didn't know beforehand. I had no idea about any of this. So let me let me reframe my question then. So let me say I'm on realtor.com or I'm looking yep. at actual listings with realtors. <laughs> I see a lot of houses that I look at and I go, man, that price is outrageous. Mm -hmm. What do you say to a person or someone who's overvaluing their property? How do you handle something like that when you have to like tell somebody this isn't worth quite what you think it is? The most important thing to do, so if I'm going in to talk to uh, a new client that wants me to potentially list their home, I go in with backup, right? So I have I have all the information and the actual numbers because because realistically, you know, we can ask whatever you want, and you could probably get whatever you know. I mean, within reason. Uh, I, I don't want to say that you can get what you want for a house, but you can ask whatever you want for it, and somebody may pay for that. But we also have to realize that an appraiser from a bank, uh, unless it's a cash deal, which you you know, then you know, there's no rules at all to an extent, but an appraiser from a bank uh, that a bank hires is going to ultimately have to go into that house, measure it, look at the comparables in the area, which comparables are other homes that have sold and closed in your surrounding area, your town, street, neighborhood, and things like that. So I bring all the comps. I do my due diligence beforehand and I look and I, and I, and I, when somebody calls me, they want me to list their home. I ask them what the address is and I immediately go into the MLS and look at homes similar to that one that have closed in the last year. Ideally, I'd like to do the last six months, 
but anything that's closed in the last six months that's similar. So that way I can say, okay, this house sold for this amount. It has the same square footage as yours. It has the same uh, amount of bedrooms and bathrooms as yours, but yours has a new roof and updated kitchen and uh, new bathrooms, you know, and this house ha- doesn't have that. So I, or, or in the reverse case, I say to somebody, yeah, this house went for this much, right. but it had all those things. All these things. Mm. And when somebody comes to your house and they look at that, they're going to see, oh, well, I'm going to have to do the kitchen. I'm going to have to do the windows. I'm going to have to do the floors. So if your house needs all that, I like to try and get you in a mindset of knowing your house could be worth that, but it's not quite there yet. And that's not your fault. Your house is still nice. It's just somebody's going to have to do, you know, you basically go up and you're as upfront and honest with a person as you can be from the start and say, this is what people are going to say about the house. And those are uncomfortable conversations to, to have sometimes. But I like to think that if I'm being that honest with somebody right off the bat, they'll trust me more. They may not like it at first, but it's always best to, to be as close to an asking price as what you think you're going to get. Than to try and, you know, some people, depending on if they're not, you know, if they're not in a hurry, they may ask a little bit more to see where we can, you know, the the idea is, oh, if I ask this much and somebody talks me down, I'll be comfortable with that. You want to be priced correctly so that ultimately more people will want it. You're more likely to get more for your house if it's priced correctly than if you sit there in in a fishing expedition. Uh, Andrew, I want to, uh, I want to flip to another subject because I know you're you're a very busy man right now and people are all after you te- texting <laughs> no you worries. and calling you constantly uh, but where can people I'm reach you. out I'm with you right now where can people reach out uh real estate wise if they want to get a hold of you uh my Facebook is very is public all my posts mm-hmm. are pretty much public and I have my phone number there so Andrew Derminio I also have a real estate page but if you want to get in touch with me directly you can go to my Facebook Andrew Derminio um cell phone number is easy I give that away like and uh, just get in touch with me even if you're just thinking about it and you want some you know you know you're not in a hurry or you know it's not in your immediate future getting an idea of what you know what the process entails and having a conversation with me um is is I don't mind doing that to kind of give you an idea of what the home buying process is like so yeah give me a call Uh, so I also, I'm glad you mentioned your Facebook because I noticed this story on your Facebook and I wanted to bring it up because I think it's really cool. It's from a couple of days ago. Uh, you were just recently named a board member at the Central Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Is that what I read? Yes. Uh, I'm very, very excited about this. So, uh, I was approached by a few people on the board and I know the president, the now president of CAVV, Ed Welsh, very well. Mm -hmm. Ed used to be with AAA and he used to host the Auto Talk radio program. Saturday mornings on WIBX. Oh yeah, and and when he gave that up and retired from AAA to take on the the position of president at Cabby, he asked me if I had any interest in joining their foundational board. So there's two, uh, there's essentially two different boards at Cabby. There's the one that's really the operations, you know, of the actual company, and then the foundational board is essentially the fundraising board. Uh, for the organization. So I was approached by a couple of different people who were on that board and they asked if I would be interested in joining. And truthfully, 
uh, up until a little while ago, I knew kind of what Cabby did um, and, you know, and learning all the things that they do and what an incredible uh, organization they are, not only for people who are, bl are blind and visually impaired, but they're, they have a workforce. They're an, a major employer of people in um, Oneida, Herkimer um, counties and the surrounding areas. Um, we have uh, events like Vehicles for Vision, uh, or we have programs like Vehicles for Vision where people can donate their old cars that you know they, they, they don't think they can get a lot of money for or that they're not really interested in selling. Maybe they need that little bit of extra tax write-off so they can donate their vehicle to, to CABVI, to Vehicles for Vision. And then uh, that's a tax deductible donation of the value of the car at the time. And then the, uh, the organization will then sell that car to somebody who may be a collector or wants to refinish it. And that's how uh, a one way of making money. We also do the dark dining event, which unfortunately, like many other events, had to be yeah. put on hold. Dark dining essentially is, is a really cool event where you uh, try different foods with a blindfold or some other way of closing your eyes so that you can kind of get an idea, um, not fully, obviously, what it's like to be visually impaired, but that, that's kind of an interesting experience. So to know all of the um, great things that they do for the area, they're producing PPE, which is mass distributed to areas around the country. Um, there's PPE being made right at KFV by their employees. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was something I jumped on because... Yeah. You know, first of all, I'm honored to be considered, but then to be nominated and, and be put onto the board was really uh, an honor for me. And this area, as you do, Sam, is very important and very special. And I love it, the area, and I want it to succeed. And they, um, and CABV has had played such an important role in that development of the area. So I just jumped on it, and I'm, and I'm very honored to be a part of that team. You know, I, uh, through the years, we had a nice relationship with young scholars, with a lot of my kids who, uh, you know, did um, student, what am I, why am I blowing the word? Internships. They're doing internships. internships there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I blew that word. Uh, but That's we've had right. such a nice, we had such a great relationship and, and the kids always loved, you know, the work they got to do there. And I've always appreciated everything that Kev V did. And I, I'm so glad that you guys were able to hook up and this was the thing that happened. It made me very pleased to read this today on Facebook, which is very rare for me to go on Facebook and see something that makes me not angry uh, and visceral and full of hate. Uh, speaking of which, I just want to ask, are you ready for this election to be over or are you sort of enjoying the buildup? <laughs> you know, it's funny because some people, they do have the ability to, to kind of turn it off. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, I think everybody has the right to their own opinion and uh, I, I stay kind of out of you know, giving my own personal beliefs, just because it is such a divisive thing, you know, I mean, yeah. who'd have thought your, who'd have thought your beliefs would, would, would garner, you know, there was back, remember back in the day when, you know, that was like such a secret, like it's, who you voted for, you didn't want to know anybody, like that was the thing, like, you know, you know our, our grandparents generation would be offended if you, if you asked who you were voting for. Younger um, listeners wouldn't believe you know, my good friend, our good friend, Luke Riddell from election, from elected news. Yeah, Luke's it. doing a great job. Yeah. But he wouldn't, I don't even think there was a time growing up where I knew what my parents' politics was, like not even the party they were in. It was never a discussion. We've yeah. shifted so drastically in the last 20 years. I don't know if it's always for the good. It's no, it's, and it's the social media that's, that's done it. And, um, mm. you know, like I said, I think, <clears throat> 
people have lost touch of the middle ground, right? You know, you yeah. have oh, it's vanished, right? So you know, again, without so you know, it is it does live very actively on Facebook and on on TV commercials, and you know, it is part of my job at the radio station to discuss both local and national politics. And um, to answer your question, yes, I'll be glad when it's over because. <laughs> especially in 2020 now, or even in the last few years, the, the election cycle is endless. You know, you've got a person wins and then they immediately start running again for that office. And I gotta be uh, honest, I don't find a lot of local election coverage that I feel like doesn't have the fingerprints of like you guys covering it or a various few other local sources covered. We don't get a ton of coverage on, especially this Brindisi Tinney race. So I appreciate the work you guys do do. So. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because we have both of those candidates on somewhat regularly. Yeah. And, you know, again, we've gotten to a point where if you challenge either one, you know, there's there's some people that will say, oh, you're in the bag for this person or, you know, oh, you have favoritism to that person. And again, I'll say you like on a national level, you know, you kind of would have to live under a rock to, to, to not realize that certain outlets you know tend to lean yeah. in favor of certain candidates of course um but on a local level we do try you know i mean yeah and, but that's but that's just the way it's going to be you know you you know you can't you know no matter what you ask anthony uh the congressman on the on the on the radio there's going to be somebody that feels like yeah. you gave him a pass yep or you know or if you talk to the former congresswoman people say oh you uh you're too easy on her or this, that, and the other, you know? So it's definitely a tough balancing act, but you really, I think ultimately people have to really just kind of listen to what each person says and see if you believe it or not. I mean, that's uh, kind of the, that's kind of how it is. is you, people got to stop. Uh, I think, you know, cause people on both sides will tend to blame, you know, uh, you know, one media outlet or the other for being somewhat, uh, well, well don't, don't rely you know, and I know this sounds bad. I'd like you to listen to our station to be entertained and as informed as possible, but don't rely on a media outlet to dictate to you what your views should be or, or how you should feel about a candidate. Listen to that person individually and decide for yourself if you believe that person or not, or if what they're saying jives with, with, with what you believe. I think so many people, you know, base their opinions on what another person says and I think that's just dangerous. Do, do you know, kind of do a little bit of homework. And I know it's hard to, to, to not find spin somewhere, um, but I think it's important to just really follow your heart and your beliefs and listen to each person's words. When they do get asked questions at town halls or debates, listen, listen intently. Don't, you know, don't listen to what the moderator asks. Listen to what the candidate says yeah. um, is kind of how I've always been. You know, if they hold a press conference or, or a press event, listen to what they say and make your decisions based on, on, on what they say out of their own mouth, not what somebody else is telling you that person said. Um, that's really, I think, what, what, what everybody should really try and do, especially, and I don't know how, how you're not, how you're not uh, decided one way or the other at this point, but um, if you really are, just that's, that, don't let somebody else dictate um, what somebody else is saying. Well, I just read an to, article today about how big the early voting is so i think that's mm -hmm. a good example that people have already decided <laughs> people want to yeah, get this exactly. yeah <laughs> yeah people See, are ready to go i'm kind of uh you know i was so excited you know i got my uh 
my absentee ballot, you know, in 08 was yeah. the first election that I mm -hmm. voted in. And I, I was very excited to do the absentee ballot uh, because I was at school. I knew I couldn't be in person voting. Um, and again, I know it's hard with COVID and everything, but I personally, I think that I will, you know, with the mask and, and doing it safely, uh, take the time. I, I, this is something about going in, filling the bubble and, and, and all that, that I like personally, that's just my personal take. Oh, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. I was just old enough in 2004 to cast a losing vote for John Kerry. So I'm with you. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. So, uh, listen. Yeah, but, that's, you know, but that's the thing too, is even if the person you want, even if the person that you want doesn't make it, um, you know, to know that you had, you did have a, people say, oh, my vote doesn't matter. Well, it does. It does, it does because well, you're actually, you're, you're, you know, you're, um, exercising your constitutional right to vote you know a lot of people even, a lot of people in other countries don't have that right and uh, even if you think your national vote doesn't matter your local vote certainly matters oh 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah and i mean we've seen that in school board races yeah you know here in utica where mm -hmm. it came down to a five vote difference yeah. and after various recounts that you know without saying the specific uh example of that yeah. of the race it did happen recently where you know one day this person wasn't yeah. even in the top five and then they ended up being the that's person right. with the second most votes that's right i remember you that. know so then uh, and i and i think too that the most important um the most important elections are local yeah um in my firm belief people will probably argue argue that point with me and uh i think you know the national leaders are very important whomever they be but at the local level you have to be you, you have to know that somebody is surrounding themselves with the best team to go and fight for those mo those monies that are available for that municipality or because um, it's always going to be there to one extent or another you you, you hope but you there's have to reason, really hope that you there's have a reason to i really don't hope do Oh, I'm so sorry. There's, there's a reason I don't do a local show called the Brooklyn cast because there's a billion, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like the impact of doing that show is minimized, but when here in Utica, you can actively reach out and be around people and that ability to campaign and market makes things easier, right? Like you can affect more change in your local community than you can in the larger narrative is my stretched analogy metaphor yeah for this. no yeah. you're right you're right i mean if you look at a school board member the decisions they make especially look at yeah. um you know you know you have governor cuomo that put the put the decision sort of uh, on the reopening plan on the schools and the big uh, a big part of those decisions um that were made and the plans that were put in place were the superintendent working with the school board so you take, you know, in that, you know, that's a, a major decision and, and process that the school boards have had to go through this year, but they make zero dollars. They're an elected position that makes zero dollars and their, their decisions, their votes, their policies um, ultimately um, end up, you know, having a dramatic effect on property taxes, on, um, on a number of different things. I can't believe my doorbell just rang. So hold on, I got to see what's up. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, a 303 uh, doorbell break. It's a first here, but this is the joy of doing interviews 
on Zoom. We, of course, are here with Andrew Derminio. Uh, you may know him from River Hills Property. You may know him from WIBX, working with The Keeler Show. And of course, as we mentioned, just recently added to the board at the Central Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired, a wonderful organization who does great work in the community. If you haven't had a chance to look up what they do on the folks who work down there, they're wonderful folks. And the work they do in the community is really, really, really cool. Uh, I'm gonna keep vamping for about another 10 seconds because uh, he's still coming back. I can, I can hear him coming back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> God, I'm like, geez, I can ignore the call. But so I don't know if anybody else did, but I kind of went, I kind of went hog wild on Amazon Prime Day. Awesome. So the UPS awesome. guy just dropped off a bunch of stuff. Uh, well, listen, Andrew. I'm going to let you go anyway, because we've gotten to the end of the interview. I know you have other stuff to do, and I appreciate you giving me some time today. Before I let you go, I have one lightning round question for you. Can you give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching during uh, during your time at home? I've been watching Joe Rogan a lot, or mm. listening listening to Joe Rogan a lot. Um, are you on Spotify? Like, are you a Spotify person now because of it? Yeah, I haven't... I've kind of been listening to some of his older stuff and mm -hmm. finding ways to kind of hear clips, but I sure. think I will try and um, get on Spotify more regularly, but I enjoy listening to him because he's really one of the few people out there that just mm -hmm. doesn't have any biases going into an interview with somebody and just trying to get to the bottom of whatever that person's thinking or whatever their, whatever their thing is, which I think is somewhat refreshing. But Would also, you like to see the debate, the presidential debate with him? Would you have wanted to see it? Oh, having him moderate it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would have loved to see it. I also, a lot of people were saying Samuel L. Jackson would have been an amazing uh, <laughs> <laughs> debate moderator, and I would have, I would have, I would happen to agree with that. Um, but uh, I was, I'm not watching, unfortunately, much television because of my schedule. Yeah. But um, do you have a recommendation for me? Well, I was watching. I was watching Love Ozark. I was yeah. watching Ozark yeah. and that's, you know, I'm done uh, with that now, so. I was watching uh, Lovecraft Country on HBO because I'd read the book and uh, it's really good. I enjoyed the first six episodes. We had about four episodes to go. The season finale was last night. I was going to watch them all. And then my PlayStation 4 got stolen from my oh, house. So I have no, no idea. So, awful. <laughs> so I've lost all my oh. Hulu account. I had to go in and cancel all my accounts and stuff. So it's a big mess. So I'm watching nothing. I'm watching YouTube uh, reviews of old 90s wrestling shows is what I'm watching at the moment so <laughs> there you go sometimes uh, it's good to throw back there so Andrew I appreciate you so much thank you for uh, coming on and joining us today uh, hopefully by the next time we get to see you when you join the four timers club we'll be allowed to have you back in the studio I appreciate it and thank you for having me on it's always a good time I always enjoy our conversations stay safe you too tell Bill I said hello I will indeed thank you buddy Later, brother.
once again to our good friend Andrew Domenio. Uh, you know, I, I really am disappointed that we haven't really been able to have people in studio. It's true. I'm always super Always miss having people over to come visit for a while when they come to be on the show. Yeah, Dominio is one of my favorites to come over. He always hangs out. We always have great conversations afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm real disappointed that he couldn't have been here live. Hopefully next time we have him on, uh, we'll be in a better place. For sure. We just got to get a bubble. Yo, the like Unicast bubble. bubble. We can invite people into the bubble. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> I think, I think idea. the bubble I think the bubble idea kind of goes out the window when you're inviting folks in and out though well, it's like the keep, opposite of a bubble when they keep coming in to steal my stuff <laughs> not quite a bubble oh man uh, alright so let's get to history lessons this week uh, mm. I have a feeling that one of these history lessons is going to end up being my favorite segment we've ever done I love it alright I love it uh, it's not this one on this day 17, <laughs> 1781 the Americans defeated the British at Yorktown uh, while hopelessly trapped at Yorktown, Virginia, British General Lord Cornwallis surrendered 8,000 British soldiers and seamen to a larger Franco-American force, effectively bringing an end to the American Revolution. Mm. Uh, during the first two weeks of October, 14,000 American troops gradually overcame fortified British positions uh, uh, in Yorktown. A large British fleet carrying 7,000 men set out to rescue Cornwallis, but it was too late. Too late. And I, I thought this was really interesting, though, when I was reading it, though. Uh, so Cornwallis surrendered, right? Uh, but he said... <laughs> sorry. He said he was sick. He pleaded illness. Oh, yeah. I was going to keep <laughs> fighting the war. No, but, no. You know. no. No, no, no. He was supposed to go to the ceremony where they surrender. You know, where they do the whole... Because war was different back then. There was like a whole, like, uh, yeah, pomp yeah, yeah. and circumstance to it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure there is too today. Now, I don't know shit about how it goes now. But at this point, like they had to present the sword of Cornwallis mm -hmm. uh, to you know to the American so, to the American and Finnish commanders. He didn't want to do it because he was sick. Uh, of course. So he sent his boy, his second in command, Charles O'Hara, uh, General Charles O'Hara. He brought Cornwallis' sword to the French and uh, American officers. Uh, the British band during this time, as they were marched out, played the song "The World Turned Upside Down." Uh, Spotify has the song. So here you are. This is the song that they played at that faithful moment in 1781. Does it make you want to... Does it make you feel victorious? Uh, no. A little fife and drum? If they were here, maybe. The fife and drum falls well, they turn it up. in. Yeah, a little... Oh, and a little more. But maybe that's <laughs> what I needed. It was just a little more fife and drum. Oh, I'll man. put it on this week's podcast list. Oh, you go fife and drum this week. A little fife and drum. I'll fife and drum this week. I'll put some sort of traditional music on there. Fife and drum. Pretty good. Uh, no, I'm not doing all fife and drum. Just one fife and drum. <laughs> um, although the war persisted on the high seas and other theaters, the Patriot victory at Yorktown effectively ended fighting in the American colonies. Peace negotiations began in 1782, and in September 1783, the Treaty of Paris was signed, formally recognizing the U.S. as a free, independent nation who would then use Manifest Destiny to take as much land as we wanted. <laughs> uh, all over the place. All over the place. We loved taking stuff. Uh, so, yeah, let's move on. On this day, 1803, uh -huh. U.S. Senate ratified the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, at the end of the 18th century, the Spanish technically owned Louisiana, the huge region west of the Mississippi that had once been claimed by France and named by its monarch, King Louis XIV. Despite ownership, American settlers in search of new land were already threatening to overrun the territory by the early 19th century. Recognizing it could not effectively maintain control of the region, Spain ceded Louisiana back to France in 1801, sparking intense anxiety in Washington, D.C. 
Realizing that it was essential that the U.S. at least main control of the mouth of the all-important Mississippi River, early in 1803, President Thomas Jefferson uh, sent James, Ma uh, James Monroe to join the French foreign minister uh, in France to see if Napoleon would be persuaded to sell New Orleans uh, and West Florida to the United States. Luckily for them, Napoleon's not having a great time. <laughs> Things are not going great for Napoleon. Situation in Europe had changed radically. Napoleon, who had previously envisioned creating a mighty French empire in America, was now facing war with Great Britain. What a world sliding doors if Napoleon had just like started like a side America. Whole different thing. <laughs> right? Whole different thing. Rather than risk the strong possibility that Great Britain would quickly capture Louisiana and leave France with nothing, Napoleon decided to raise money for his war and simultaneously deny his enemy sweet, sweet territory by offering the sale to the entire United States for a measly $15 million. Uh, Monroe and Livingston were absolutely flabbergasted. They were like, this is outrageous. We can't pass this up. Even though it was essentially overstepping the powers delegated to them in the Constitution while doing it. Right. Uh, it's a pretty interesting thing. Like, despite... It, Thomas Jefferson had misgivings about the constitutionality of this purchase. Constitution makes no provision for the addition of territory by treaty. Uh -huh. uh, but agree, uh, Johnson finally agreed to send the treaty to ratification, saying, the less we say about the constitutional differences, the better, because he realized how important of a deal this was. Yeah. Uh, so a really interesting moment in American history, mm -hmm. where Thomas Jefferson, despite his misgivings about whether this is mm -hmm. constitutional or not, decided it was too important. Mm -hmm. Kind of ties into originalism, which is something which we'll is hear. which is a lie that people say. When people say they're originalists, what they mean <laughs> is that they're a liar. Yeah, you'll hear this term a lot coming up in the next few months. So originalism is a type of judicial interpretation of the Constitution that aims to follow how it would have been understood or was intended to be understood at the time it was written, not in context to modern society, the real world that we live in. Wild bad faith. <laughs> insanely, wild bad faith. Insanely bad faith. Uh, this, too, was not the history lesson that I thought was going to be the most best one we've ever done. Oh. This one, however, is. I can't. I'm very excited. Hit me up. On this day, 1934, FBI agents killed the fugitive, Pretty Boy Floyd. You familiar with Pretty Boy Floyd? Vaguely. Pretty Boy Floyd uh, was shot by FBI agents in a cornfield in East Liverpool, Ohio. He was a hotly pursued fugitive for four years, using his last breath to deny his involvement in the infamous Kansas City Massacre, in which four officers were shot to death at a train station. He died shortly thereafter. Uh, he... Move, he moved to Kansas City uh, in his teens, got mixed up with the city's burgeoning criminal community. A local prostitute gave Floyd the nickname Pretty Boy, which he hated, which is outrageous because it's one of the best nicknames mm. for any criminal who's ever existed. Uh, different back then. Pretty Boy Floyd, though. What a great name. Mm. Uh, along with a couple of friends he had met in prison, he robbed several banks in Missouri and Ohio, but was eventually caught and sentenced to 12 to 15 years. On the way to prison, Floyd kicked out a window and jumped from a speeding train. Which is a power move. He made it to Toledo where he hooked up with a guy named Bill the Killer Miller. Which is not as cool of a name, if we're being honest, as Pretty Boy Floyd. Mm. The Killer Miller? I don't know. The alliteration's there, I guess. Uh, they went on a crime spree that spread across several states until Miller was killed in a spectacular uh, firefight in Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, let me see here. Floyd killed a federal... Uh, in 1931, once he was back in Kansas City, Floyd killed a federal agent during a raid and became a nationally known criminal figure. This sort of shot him up into public consciousness. Uh, this time he escaped to the backwoods of Oklahoma. The locals there, reeling from depression, were not about to turn in an Oklahoma native for robbing banks. They were like, right. nah, we're going we're gonna to protect you. Yeah, yeah. Floyd became a Robin Hood-type figure. 
staying one step ahead of the law. Uh, even the Jodes, the characters in John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath, speak highly of Pretty Boy Floyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone was not so enamored with Pretty Boy Floyd, though, as the Oklahoma governor put out a $6,000 bounty. I don't know what the conversion for $6,000 would be in 1934. I'll have to look it up. Sure. Um, although it was not clear whether or not Floyd was actually responsible for the can't, the murders that he was claimed to have been tracked down for, mm. uh, the FBI got their man anyway in October 1934. Mm. Wild story. Uh, the reason I say this is my favorite thing we've ever done on here is I found a listing on NPR of the nicknames of American mobsters and how they got them, and here's some of them for you. Are you ready? Yeah, hit me. All right, here's one for you. Albert TikTok Tannenbaum. So ahead of his time. TikTok Tannenbaum. Yeah. His nickname TikTok was given to him by Jacob Shapiro because of his ceaseless, clock-like, nervous banter. So he was so nervous and chatty that he was like a clock. All right? Here's another one for you. A little more straightforward. Israel Ice Pick Willie Alderman. Ice Pick Willie. I think you know (laughs) where the name comes from. Yeah, he garnered the nickname Ice Pick Willie by murdering people using an ice pick to stab them in the eardrum, thus puncturing the brain and leaving no sign of foul play during autopsies. That doesn't seem like a real thing. Seems like they weren't maybe doing the best job with (laughs) autopsies back then. Here's another one for you. Anthony Big Tuna... Accardo. Big Tuna. Tuna. Big Tuna is so cool, he has two nicknames. He's called Big Tuna and also Joey Batters. I'll give you both. Uh, (laughs) During Prohibition, he received his first nickname, Joey Batters, when he used a baseball bat to murder three mobsters who betrayed his outfit. Al Capone allegedly said, boy, that kid's a real Joe Batters. So there you go. Uh, His second nickname, Big Tuna, was a little more, uh, was less edgy. It was, was given tuna for sandwich for lunch. His first week there, famously they called him tuna ever since. <laughs> famously photographed with a giant tuna he caught during a fishing expedition. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, how about this one? I like this one a lot. Donald Angelini, the Wizard of Odds. Obviously, it's an because... excellent name for like a bookie. Yeah, he's a <laughs> Wizard yeah. of Odds. He came Damn. from his gambling <laughs> skill and his work in the betting world. Uh, what else did I have? Oh yeah. Classic one, Joseph Banana, aka Joey Bananas. It's true. Uh, Joy, he was nicknamed Joey Bananas uh, by the newspapers, a reference to both his name and their perception of his mental state. Because he was crazy. You get it? Crazy. He's bananas. He hated that nickname. This is my favorite thing in the whole thing, though. I'm really glad we got here. Banano hated this nickname and much preferred a different nickname that he drew from his original Italian name. That nickname is Don Pepino. That's oh. right. The original. Don Pepino. Joey mm. Bananas, a.k.a. Joe Banana. Everybody's favorite grocery store pizza sauce. Don Pepino. <laughs> uh, we don't have to go. I mean, I can do these all day. I can skip the rest of history Has lessons. anybody ever been better with nicknames than the mob? Does no. anybody do a better job with nicknames than these guys? Because I don't think so. Well, a lot of it is just a first name shortened and then a thing about you. Joey Bats. If it I works, it works. Joey Brains. Here's one. Jackie Nose. Johnny Jackie Nose the Amico. Why? Big nose. Big, huge nose. Ooh, Louis Louis Haha. There's one for you. Louis Haha because he was known to laugh every time he heard of a murder. Hey, we killed that guy. <laughs> hey, guys. I mean, that's okay. All right, so there you go. Uh, you can. This is an NPR article. There's actually more than this. I will move on, but it was. this is my favorite thing I've ever done research on. That's wild. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, oh, wait, wait, we're at 11 minutes. All right. On this day, Congress investigated... Uh, 
Communists in Hollywood in 1947. 47. 1947. You know, we talk about this all the time. I think it's a, it's a boomer thing, right? Just this like overwhelming fear of the communists. Uh yeah. But like I feel like yeah, communism yeah. as a bad guy is kind of like a movie meme for me as a person who grew up in the 90s and 80s, right? Mm. Like the communists were like the cartoon bad guys in the yeah, spy yeah, movies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I I guess it's because we didn't actively live through like the the cold you know the the red scare and all this kind of stuff, right? Well, that's what this was when this was going on. Yeah. Uh, Notorious Red Scare kicked into high gear in Washington as a congressional committee began investigating communist influence into one of the world's richest and most glamorous communities, Hollywood. Uh, This investigation began in October uh, 1947, uh, where the House Un-American Activities Committee grilled a number of prominent witnesses, generally just asking bluntly, quote, are you or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Uh, whether out of fear or patriotism, uh, some witnesses, including actors like Gary Cooper and Robert Taylor, uh, gave the committee names of colleagues they suspected of being communist. Sold out. Sold out their boys. Mm. Harsh. Harsh. Uh, I don't have the entire list of names, but you could look them up. I read about them earlier. A small group known as the Hollywood Ten mm. uh, was known for resisting, complaining that the hearings were illegal and violated their First Amendment rights. Quite true. They were all convicted. <laughs> Very true of obstructing the investigation and served jail terms. Uh, a lot of blacklisted writers uh, used pseudonyms to continue working, while others just wrote scripts that were credited to other writers and yeah. friends. Uh, a lot of the more famous people that you can mention who were blacklisted included composer Aaron Copeland, uh, playwright Arthur Miller, and famed actor and uh, writer Orson Welles, so in this mm-hmm. era. Uh, there's In a total, there was about 325 screenwriters, actors, and directors uh, who were not cleared by the committee during this investigation. Uh, it wasn't until 1997 that the Writers Guild of America unanimously voted to change the writing credits of 23 films being made during this blacklisted period. It doesn't actually erase the damage, though. It just sort of, like, reverses some of it. Like, all that stuff still sort of exists on the record. Just but... stuff to make yourself feel better later. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any follow-up for that, but, uh, yeah, the communists coming after, coming after you through... Subversive movies yeah, run I mean, by the liberal you, media. If you listen to some uh, right-wing shit posters on the internet today, you would yeah. think that it's still a red scare out there, which seems a little silly. Uh, and this one, I don't even... I put this one out here. I don't think we've ever talked about this, and I don't know what kind of commentary we can possibly have about this, but it happened on this day in 1997. Marv Albert faced sentencing in his sexual assault case. Oh. Uh Circuit Court Judge Benjamin Kendrick announced that he will dismiss the sexual assault case filed against Marv Albert by 42-year-old Vanessa Perhawk if the sportscaster agreed to get counseling and stay out of trouble for a year. Albert had faced up to 12 months in jail and a $2,500 fine. Uh, This was famously because Marv Albert had bit this woman because she turned down having sex with him and his partner. Jesus. Yeah, you remember? You remember this was like a thing. Like vaguely, I was a child. I mean, I, didn't really, I wasn't paying attention to like Marv Albert's sex life as a child. This was one of those things that I feel like Saturday Night Live was making fun of when I was a kid. Oh, probably. That I didn't get it right. Um, like in '97, like they were doing Norm Macdonald doing like, "Yes, it's me, Marv Albert, autoerotic asphyxiation." I'm like, "What does that mean? I don't get it." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he was rehired by Madison Square Garden though in 1998, like within yeah. a year. I guess my question is like, I mean, he would have been gone forever today, right? In this sort of in this culture, like, was it we were a little more willing to forgive celebrity males in 1997? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
He would have been. I mean, you can't say. I think "Gone Forever" is like dramatic language. Yeah, you sure. Can't say somebody's gone forever when you don't know what forever looks like. Just That's true. Sit on and chill. Yeah, he would have been held a little bit more accountable, not continued to make piles of money at his cushy job. Yeah, uh, working. Been for rehired you. to continue to make piles of money, probably. <laughs> have I gotten away with it? Yes. For three! Sorry. Uh, it's my worst Marvel. No, you like my Marvel. Oh, for people, Marv Albert is a sportscaster. He's a sportscaster. Like we should yeah. say for folks. That's true. Famed Albert sportscaster. That's what yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's always what I can't help but do his voice, too. That's why I think it's mm. a big part of it. All right. I'm going to need you to come with me on a, on, a, on a side trip for a second, folks. Here we are. As we get into the Doomsday Report. Ooh. Okay. There's a video game that I played earlier this year when I had a PlayStation 4. Mm hmm. It's a really cool video game. Mm -hmm. It's called Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay, mm -hmm. and in this universe, uh, robot drones, essentially war drones created in the future, like twenty years from now, like nineteen, like twenty thirty five, whatever it is. Sure. Right? These are robots that have the ability to refuel themselves on the fly by consuming biomass, right? Ooh. Um, grass, trees, whatever. Mm. Small animals, things like that. Right? Organic material. And what happens in this, you know, in this scenario, how the world ends and reverts back to primordial caveman times, is the robots start to consume all biomass because an AI system corrupts their thing and they just start killing humans and animals and destroying the entire mm. ecosystem to consume for fuel. Skynet without the nukes. Yeah, essentially, this is the... This is the, the, the setup for how the world is destroyed in the video game Horizon Zero Dawn. I see. Okay. This is from Scientific America. Earlier today, uh, two giant tech companies have gone out to say that their biomass-fueled robots will chew on only vegetables and not people, insists the makers of biofueled biomass-fueled robots. This is, I, sometimes I swear, <laughs> I wonder if anybody has anybody still working in their PR department. Oh because you don't have to say not people. I didn't think the robots were going to eat people until you said, by the way, these robots aren't going to eat people. Well, now I've got uh, some questions. So, uh, these companies, Robotic Technology Inc. and Cyclone Power Technologies, announced earlier they were completing the first phase to build a robotic vehicle that could scavenge sticks, grass, leaves, and other biomass to fuel itself. Uh, the I'm sorry, what was your question? I was just going to say, how about you build me the robot that, that fuels itself on plastic bags and garbage and trash? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me that robot. Instead of, oh, this is now going to compete for resources? A killer. Definitely what we need. Uh, the Okay, so, I'm sorry. The company's... The name of the robot, okay? Mm -hmm. Energetically Autonomous Tactical Robot. E-A-T-R. It's called Eater. Come on, guys. Why? Come on. What are we doing here? You're asking for Doomsday Get Report. robots that fuel themselves on the, the microplastics in the ocean. You can't <laughs> find me that robot? They can have the ocean if they make those. I haven't even gotten to the other Doomsday Report, which is where the government wants to use brainwaves to train swarms of military robots, oh, like using swarm intelligence. Chill. Yeah. Super, super chill. So, so this is where we are now. We're at the swarm intelligence biomass robot stage of Doomsday Report. I'm getting real tired doing these Doomsday Reports. I gotta tell you. Oh, these plutocrats are gonna have a real shit show after they kill the rest of us all. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Alright, let's do something a little lighter. It's casual. Uh, oh, earlier this week, uh, Tom Petty continued... Or sorry, John Fogarty is uh, continuing his campaign uh, against President Trump. Mm. Uh, because President Trump continues to use the song Fortunate Son, which is 
hilarious. Yeah. I I don't I does he not get he, no. I, he doesn't he doesn't get it. Wow, would he? It's right there. It's not the most closeted song about what it's about, right? He's talking about Silver Spoon whatever. Uh in another in a in this totally flip side of this, the Beastie Boys earlier this week have allowed uh, Vice President Joe Biden to use their classic song "Sabotage" in a political ad. Uh, political ad. The first time the band has ever allowed their music to be released in a political ad. What are your thoughts of Joe Biden using the ad, song "Sabotage" uh, as political ad? Love it. Like this is the yeah full like sunglasses on coming out doing it. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool idea. Not only is this the first time that the Beastie Boys have licensed their music for a political ad, it's the first time they've ever licensed any of their music for an advertisement. Mm-hmm. So. They must really, really like Biden. Love right. Biden. This is my wrestling theme song. I've talked about it before. Like, if I were a professional wrestler, I would try and negotiate into my contract to make this my actual theme song. Oh. One of my favorite theme songs. That's ever. true. You have long said that. I love to play. Um, it's a. It just got such a great bass riff. I love oh, to yeah. play this song. I play this song on bass almost every time I'm sound checking and checking the levels on my fuzz and dirt pedals. I almost always play Sabotage. Uh, here's another story that got covered up because we don't care about these kind of things anymore uh earlier this week former senate majority leader harry reed uh, of nevada said the u.s government has been hiding key details about ufos for years <laughs> why the federal government all these years has covered up put brake pads on everything stopped it i think is very very bad for our country reed I feel said. like harry reed comes out every four months and says this <laughs> yeah are you saying that there's some evidence that hasn't seen the light of day said director james fox in his documentary the phenomenon reed said i'm saying most of it hasn't seen the light of day. Mm. Quite mm-hmm. a tagline. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we'd care more about this if we didn't feel like the world was falling apart. Like, this would be a bigger story if we didn't feel like our I active... Have, I don't have time for UFOs right now. I don't I just care. don't have time. Too much going on. I don't care. Too much going on. They, do they have masks? Because I mean, Are you they what? wearing don't masks? Why don't you come laying down here? Social distance. Why don't you come laying down here? Uh, Interplanetary distancing. Here's a little... Uh, I got some spooky Halloween stuff for us before I, we close out I know here. I'm always here for that. Uh, earlier this week, uh, a woman... A Canadian woman returned five articles, uh, I'm sorry, five artifacts that she took from Pompeii in 2005, saying that she has been plagued with bad luck for 15 years since she took them. I stand behind, if you go to some sort of artifact-laden place, leave that shit where it lies. This is how the mummy wakes up. This is how the plague you starts. Take some real shit home with you out of a tomb, especially like you, Steve, like you pocket something out of a tomb and take it home. The woman couldn't uh, be me. The woman sent two white mosaic tiles, two pieces of amphora vase, and a piece of ceramic wall to the agricultural park of Pompeii, along with a letter explaining her decision. I wanted to have a piece of history that couldn't be bought. She was young and dumb at the time. She said, "Since returning to Canada, she said she has suffered two bouts of breast cancer, resulting in a double mass uh, mastectomy, and her family has been in terrible financial state. We can't seem to get ahead in life. I am blaming it on these cursed tiles that I took." From Pompeii in 2005. She thinks that she took a piece of history and time and that had negative energy attached to it, is her mm, belief. I see. I don't know if these things are necessarily connected. Same. But you still shouldn't be snatching stuff don't from be Pompeii s- or yeah. the historic. We, the, the, the historical sites that we have are so fragile in this wild, ever tumultuous world. Like, yeah. You don't need to be messing around with Pompeii and... The pyramids and places in Greece, like leave these places be for as long as we have, because none of them can be around forever. You know what I mean? Like entropy is the nature of the universe. None of these places can last forever. You don't need your tile at your house so you can tell your dumb friends stupid stories about how you stole from a historical site when you were doing your year abroad. Miss me. 
Uh, all right, and I, I had to bring this up to you. This was presented uh, by I saw our our buddy Luke Fidel from a couple episodes ago had posted this on mm. uh, on his Twitter, and it was from five thirty eight. It's from twenty seventeen, but it's still relevant. And it was a ultimate Halloween candy power ranking. Oh yeah, okay. This is classic Uticast content. Classic right Uticast content. We could come back to this too because it's pretty good stuff. But what essentially they have set up is if you put this candy against any other candy on this list, which is 86 candies. Damn. Right? What would be the win percentage? Mm. Like, would it win against... And whoever had the highest win percentage against... Once you've run all the simulations, that's how you'd find out the rankings. Interesting. Okay? So, with the highest win percentage of 84%, 84.2% was the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Has to be. Number one. 84% win percentage. Uh, I can give you the top five if you want. Yeah, sure. Uh, let me right. hear it. Let me hear it. Uh, number two is the Reese's Mini. So a, re- a miniature Reese's. That feels like kind of a cop-out. But shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be included, I don't think. So the real number two is the Twix at 81.6%. Mm. I love a Twix. I think this is surprising. I would pick a Twix over a lot of things. I thought 81% seemed high. I thought I might be higher on Twix than most other hmm, people. I don't know. It's the only candy bar with the cookie crunch. It's the, <laughs> it, it is. I don't know what to say. Uh, number four is the Kit Kat at 76.8%. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a little low, actually. I love a Kit Kat. Mm. I might take a Kit Kat over a Twix if you put those two mm. on the table next that's to fair. me. That's fair. Uh, and number five was the Snickers at 764 Bought what I would expect for the top. Any particular candy you like that I can try and find on this list here for you? Anyone? Uh, let me know if the Whatchamacallit shows up. I've been uh, I've been uh, since a child. I've been a long time stand for the Whatchamacallit bar. If mm-hmm. you're gonna have a chocolate bar or something, well, I don't see the Whatchamacallit on here. Haters be damned. Uh, because I don't think they make a small version of the Whatchamacallit. Do they? Oh, this is for the small. Well, I'd imagine Halloween, Halloween candy. small candies. I was just thinking about candy bars in general. Uh, but just for just for fun, I figured I would check the bottom of the list. I, this is this is this always is what where the interest for. is. So we'll start with uh, seventy five. Okay, Necco wafers. Seventy five really is that? at a thirty four point five percent win percentage. Is the Tootsie Caramel Apple Pop, which I think is a shame. Ooh. I love the oh. caramel. It's a terrible caramel. No, I know what you mean, but you know what though? Too caramel apple pop, kind of a lot. Yeah, kind of a lot at this stage. I don't know if I was want. Because that's the, that's the trick with this being head-to-head matchups. I could see Caramel Apple Pop is a real move. Like, yeah. you really got to be wanting that. Uh, number 76 is the Haribo Happy Cola, which uh, I'll say yeah because I like the fizzy cola, but the Happy Cola is no good. A mm. cola-flavored candy Ridiculous. is not good. It's not a good candy. cola-flavored candy. So, like, what are we? Where are we? Uh, number 77. No cola candy. <laughs> number 77 was the Sugar Baby, which, uh, yeah, I don't really like Damn, Sugar Baby. I forgot. I think I used to... Which one is a sugar baby? I'm trying to Those remember. Those are the little caramel ones that get your teeth all stick. It's like a sugar daddy, which is on a stick, and uh, is the next one on this list, mm. uh, except it's ball version. It's like a Butterfinger BB as no, opposed I'm to good a, on. I'm good on like the hard, sugar, sticky caramel like Sugar that. daddies hurt my teeth. Uh, number 80, uh, 29%, is the root beer barrel. I like a root beer barrel, but mm. uh, like I like one root beer barrel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want more than one. 81 is the Jawbuster at 28%. 82 is Super Bubble, which I assume is just like the like the pink bubble gum, right? Some sort yeah. of garbage bubble gum, yeah. Uh, number 83 is the Chiclet at 24.5%. Could you imagine getting Chiclets Yo, for Halloween? I like Chiclets. Sure, but number, like for your Halloween candy? Number 84. It's like a handful of loose Chiclets. <laughs> number 84, the Boston Baked Bean. At, I, don't, I don't even know what that is. It's a peanut covered in candy coating. What's it, like the Great Depression? 
Yeah, they're a little bit like, uh, like uh, you know, like the Lemonhead style candies? In that same sort of vein, like little tiny. These used to come in like boxes. Like these. Oh, it's like a movie theater kind of candy. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I see. yeah. I see. I see. Uh, <laughs> number eighty-five, uh, the second to last, the nickel nip, which I would imagine. I've never heard that. Word. I think I've never heard those words put together in my life. I think those are the little wax uh, soda bottles with the. <sighs> you know what I'm talking oh about? God, yeah, the yeah, juice yeah. in them. Uh, and this is obviously here just to troll me. The bottom of the list. Oh, give it, give it to me. Give it to me. At number 86. Hang on. Could this be the birthday present I've dreamed of my entire life? 0.9%. Tell me what's last on the list. I haven't looked. I'm just hoping. It's Good and Plenty's I at 21. It is because they're trash. Here's the thing with the Good and Plenty is it's garbage and nobody should eat them because they're horrible oh, and they taste bad. Black licorice uh, encrusted in gross candy. Stop. It's tough that it's this low <laughs> it on the list. Tough. Uh, I, I love them, but 21. I'm not here to defend them. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. that they're not mm-hmm. my favorite. I'm a little upset that Payday's at 47, at 46%. That you think Payday should be higher? I think that the win percentage model does not favor Payday. Okay. That's a, you know what I'm saying? That's a good like, take. I, that's a good take. I, of course you're not going to pick a Payday over a Snickers, I suppose, in oh. a head. Maybe, I don't I know. Might. I might. I might. I feel like people are undervaluing a Payday in this, in this argument. Mm. I don't know. I still didn't find a whatchamacallit on here. I can't see it. Maybe they just... I think they don't make the mini. The Snickers Crisper is at 59%, which is kind of like a whatchamacallit ripoff. That, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a not a good ripoff, that but it is... a ripoff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. That's all I have for mm. Halloween content for this week. Interesting. Uh, the Reese's You kids aren't getting any of this candy at this house, because after the burgling, house is shut no, down. Shut down. You ain't giving the neighborhood no candy this year. Uh, do we have any mailbag for this week? Uh, oh, here's a good one. Uh, what do you think is the most common junk, cheap or expensive, that people waste their money on and rarely use at all? Ooh, the most common thing that people... It's not junk, but I feel like for me over the years, it would be like a gym membership. Do you know what I Like, I'm going to sign up for this. That'll help me get motivated yeah, to work yeah, out. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, there's certain things probably like grocery store, going out household shopping where it's always like, oh, yeah, I probably need some of these. Let me get some of these. And you just have like a ton. I feel like there's yeah. an item like that that I'm not thinking of where uh, it's like, oh, yeah, you can never have enough of these. We have that with basil right now. I have like so much basil that I bought over the time. Like, do you? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Not like fresh that. basil. I'm talking like. I feel uh, like, uh, I feel like, like. Tupperware style containers and stuff. There have definitely been times where I'm mm-hmm. out somewhere. I'm like, oh, maybe I should get pick up some containers. And I'm like, I certainly don't need any containers, you know. No, but not. there's a lot of. I'm sure, just like, uh, just like a lot of things, you know, it's gonna be an hour later. I'm like, oh, this is the thing I should have said. Uh, all right, and that's it for this. I got Spotify picks this week. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I put on obviously the world turned upside down by the Colonial Williamsburg Fife and Drum Unit, so you yeah, can yeah. enjoy that. Uh, I did not count that as one of my six songs, though. So, mm, um, so seven all day. If you want to add uh, some outrageous songs, I'm you gonna find. Can. I'm gonna find some traditional music some to traditional go with your music. fife and drum, and then I'll pick six uh, otherwise. The fife and drum mix. Uh, but other than that, I have. Um, let's see. Ooh, uh, down and out by Cameron because mm, I am not down and out. Kill a cam. Kill a cam. Knock knock. And then Big Iron by Marty Robbins because I miss Fallout and now I can't hear this song on the Fallout radio anymore because mm. I can't play video games. Underrated anymore. part of Fallout is that Fallout radio. They yeah, definitely got a good. couple bangers on there. Anything for you this week? On there. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to include. I haven't. I'm so bad about looking at it before the show because I always think about it right before we sit down. Um, the band learned uh, "Time" by Pink Floyd. Mm. We played it out this week for the first time, 
And so I'm going to put probably Time by Pink Floyd on the mm-hmm. list. Um, while I'm looking and listening to stuff, there's a chance I might switch it. Because Pink Floyd's sure. one of those bands where it's just like, yeah. you pick 300 songs. Um, and after that, I'm not sure. So it's going to be a bit of a mixed bag. Because we had, I had the Lakers theme last week. So there's some stuff I've been holding off. I thought about uh, We are still riding high as Lakers champions. I thought about doing a, a burglary theme. Like where there's songs about being robbed. Mm. Like, uh... What's that one, the, the, the shitty James Addiction one about? Yeah, maybe we should do all robbery songs. All robbery songs. Yeah, yeah, all robbery songs. Uh, all right, sayonara, humanoids, keep it. Uh, well, no, I got to say, uh, follow Heather if you haven't checked her out. She's doing oh, good Heather stuff. Oh, She sent me a lovely message today on Facebook. Uh, just saying happy uh, birthday. She misses us. She's glad that, you know, she's. it's a shame that she's not here. She's actually up at camp this week. She said she's up at Inlet hanging out right mm-hmm. now. So she's doing well. Nice to spend fall on the lake up there. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the whole Waz family. I gotta be honest. In the in the wake of me getting robbed, I did not realize that it was your birthday. I feel like a bad friend. Oh no! Don't even worry about it. I didn't realize that it was my birthday either until uh, I was asked by uh, I was asked last week, "Hey, what do you want to do for your birthday?" I was like, "Wow, when is it?" Like Monday. I'm like, oh, "I got the podcast. I'm not sure. We'll see." And then I kind of just sort of rolled into it, but it worked out because I had a nice weekend, kind of accidentally. I ended mm. up going because I was supposed to play an out of state wedding on Friday. We were gonna play in Massachusetts. But then the venue got shifted to Rhode Island, which is on the mm. coronavirus travel ban. So mm. we could no longer go. But on Friday, instead of that wedding, I got to go over to my brother's house and you know, see my brother and his wife and my nice. niece. And my sister and her husband came, and that was a lot of fun. Then we had an impromptu uh, family party yesterday with like my extended family that we got to see some people stopping over the house during the day. And I saw a few cousins and aunts and uncles I didn't expect to see. So nice. kind of had like a surprise nice little birthday week. So now I feel like the birthday's almost over. It's all frosting at this point. Uh, well, I think, it's, I think it's something good to get you that's not just whiskey, which is what I usually get you because I think I about mean, it. Like, we the, do like whiskey. I know we like whiskey. We do like whiskey. I can't just, you can't just do whiskey. All right. Uh, you never know. I, listen, ask me again. We'll see what happens in two. I have a feeling that in two weeks time, I'll be drinking a bunch of whiskey one way or another. Oh boy! Uh, go, right. go early, vote. Go do what you got to do. Uh, yeah, uh, that's probably by the time we get back on the pod, early voting will have started. I don't mean to keep extending it I think out. It might. No, do October twenty third. It's October is the first 23rd. day. It starts. So this Saturday, mm. you can officially go start your early voting. So mm-hmm. I suggest uh, yeah. go do it. You popped on next week. Go vote. A little voting. By the time you hear us next time, we may have already voted. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, that's it. The tape machines are rolling. We will see you next week. Uh, send Kevin lovely birthday messages on social media platforms. Uh, that's it. Stay safe. Or humanoids. cash envelopes. Or cash envelopes. <laughs> Secure the bag.